Whipper. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. So you know how to walk. You know how to dance. You ever dance with the devil with the Welcome everyone to another episode of This Week in Salsa, and today on the show we have Fuquan and Candice of Fuego Yelo Dance Company out of Atlanta, Georgia. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. We were connected through uh, mutual friends, so uh, my buddy Philip out of Texas, he's been busy, he's been connecting me with a lot of dancers in the community, and I'm glad he did. I, I YouTubed you guys, you got some good dances, especially Candice, I saw your dance with Neri at the eight-month pregnancy point, so... That was uh, uh, that. That was high risk. There, that that's great. You moved. You moved well with eight months pregnant. It's good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, guys, um, in in a little bit of prep, I already know that you know you really have a focus and a love of dance that comes through from when I was talking to Fuquan on on Facebook and checking out your YouTube videos and the website and your fan page. So, um, before we get into your love of dance, tell me just a little bit about the dance company and what kind of dances you do and and where your focus is as dancers? Well, it's a very interesting question. Um, we have a very varied background. Um, we've trained with several different genres, so we try to consider ourselves fusion artists rather than classical anything. So it's kind of hard because we're very new, so right now we're just a pure mambo team, like we, it's always a mambo fusion, but eventually we want to kind of branch off into doing other things, like we want to have our own cha-cha pieces and maybe a bachata routine or two. Um, originally when we started off, we were thinking we were going to be a bachata team because it was just what we felt was our passion at first. But as you grow as dancers and as you grow as people, you kind of figure out what your actual interests are. And I believe personally, maybe Candice as well, our real love is mambo. So salsa and cha-cha is just what we kind of want to do. And we kind of want to do very artsy-based dancing rather than commercialized versions of the same dance. Mm-hmm. So more on the end of the Gordons and the Sekus and the Jalissas then would be like the Yamalays. We want to go on a kind of a different track. So. And, and Candace, Candace, will you agree with that as well? Is that really where your love falls or do you fall more in the bachata or elsewhere? <laughs> no, I agree totally. More cha-cha than mambo, honestly. Huh? So why, why cha-cha? And, and maybe that leads into a good question, which is why do you see this progression of dancers usually from uh, – Mambo and even before that LA and before that usually casino into uh, cha-cha is usually left for the most advanced dancers as a as a generalization. Why do you think that is? Um, I think what it really is is just the way musically dancing has differentiated itself. Um, so let's take it to I like to break it down to commercial versus artsy, right? Um, most mainstream salsa is made for selling records. So it's all about the artist making what's appealing to people who are not listening for salsa, like not for the dance, but for regular life. So people who are just doing laundry and raising kids and whatever else, they're listening to salsa in the background. So they want something that sounds appealing to them during their day-to-day lives. So that's where we get commercial salsa. And it's not very different. I think the differentiation in that comes from the lyrics. People want to make sure that their lyrics are very in tune and they have very nice, romantic, you know, whatever going on in their songs. 
Whereas what we like to listen to is much more um, is Latin jazz or Afro mambo or Afro Latin jazz, Afro Latin funk, which is all about not the selling the records, but is the artist happy about what he produced? Is it different than something else that's been produced out there? And therefore, the dances kind of have fall similarly into that same line. Commercial salsa can't really change that much because they're trying to do the same things over and over again. So then it's about how good are you at doing the same thing that's been done for 40 plus years already, you know? Mm-hmm. Eddie Torres, thank God, has been so far ahead of the curve on commercial mambo that he's still one of the greatest at it. But there's very few people nowadays who can say that I can go head to head with someone like that because he's been doing it for so long. Whereas when you have fusion mambo or fusion cha-cha, the songs themselves give you so much more to work with because it's about pleasing the artist and the people who might be dancing to it, that it gives you so much more to deal with and so much more to wrap your mind around and so much more to explore with and so much more to do with it. Well, and I believe that that's part of the story from Eddie back in the day when he collaborated with a lot of these artists to to build the music together. So you had you had the dancers uh, advocate right there next to the artist talking in their ear as well. So that influenced the music. So when you were saying these two kinds of, of um, genres, you know, the commercial salsa and the uh, artistic salsa, the, the examples that came to my mind, I hate to say it for, any, <clears throat> for anyone who loves Mark Anthony out there, but uh, Mark Anthony is what jumped out to me is more commercial salsa. I, I can't stand dancing to Mark Anthony. <laughs> uh, he's a good actor, too. I mean, it's fine. I, I, his stuff, I, I respect his stuff. But I can't dance to it. Uh, and then for Latin jazz stuff, I think more like uh, Carlos Santana, like Evil Ways kind of cha-cha type stuff. Uh, maybe I'm off base on that. I don't really know what you would term. So maybe you have a couple examples of songs that you would really classify as as artsy salsa. Um, well, I can give you some artists. Mongo um, yeah. Santa Maria. He's a Cuban artist, um, and he specialized in mambo and Afro Latin jazz, Afro mambo. Um, Willie Bobo. Um, even Tito Puente, to an extent, he had back and forth. He would do lots of commercial stuff because he was, you know, basically one of the pioneers in salsa music in general coming up and big band music back in New York. But at the same time, he also did very esoteric music. He would, you know, have songs that were dedicated to dances that don't really get popularized in America, like um, Afro-Cuban folkloric dances that you don't ever hear about. So it's, it's hard because... It's not the popular stuff. Like Mark Anthony's popular for a reason. People like it because it's easy to get into. It's very, it's just something you listen to in your car very easily. Whereas the music you listen to is much more. Like I said, it's what are we listening to? Is this salsa anymore? Like I don't hear my, I don't hear a guy blaring off lyrics in the background. I don't hear my typical cowbell going off. I don't necessarily know what I'm listening for. So, um, it's just, Lahani. Oh, um, what's the guy's name? Give me a second. I'm having a. Um, a hard time. There's an artist. He's a new guy. Actually, let me check my phone real quick. Yeah, sure. You know, while while you're um while you're doing that, for me, my challenge with cha cha right now is uh, is feeling the music and and actually listening and interpreting the music through my dancing. But what would you say to someone who's very mechanical with their cha cha right now and they're they know the cha cha step and they know basically where you are porting over the salsa steps over to the cha cha counts and and i can port that over just fine but as far as actually feeling the music and interpreting the music what kind of tips would you give to people who are trying to make that leap i guess my first question would be to ask are you dancing on one or on two? Oh, it's on two on two okay <laughs> awesome well i think that's something you have to get out of the way first of all is that there's a huge 
obviously, to be political, you can never say on one, on two is better, right? And I don't ever advocate saying that. But certain things are actually written for certain things to happen. So an on two song or a mambo song emphasizes two and six. So you can still dance on one, two, because obviously that's still on one and a five. There, it's just it will break more evenly if you dance it on two. So same thing with cha-cha. I think a big disparity you see now around the world is that a lot of people are dancing cha-cha incorrectly by dancing it on one when the music can't really sync to that because it's emphasizing so many beats that are opposite of what you're doing. That's the first thing I would say. But luckily you're dancing on two. The second thing I would say personally is that I don't like to dance cha-cha like I dance salsa. Um, it's a very good way, like you said, it's a port, right? To get used to cha-cha, take your salsa patterns, your salsa footwork, and take it and try and match it to your cha-cha footwork. But that's just, a, I would say, a beginning to intermediate step. There's so much time to cha-cha, especially like good, slow, like guajitas and, you know, boogaloos. There's so much more to the song than doing salsa to a cha-cha song that I would say the correct thing to do would be to, you know, worst case scenario, try to just play and find out how to make this work with the song, right? If the song is really mellow and has a lot of smooth instrumentation going to it, try to make your pattern smooth to match the actual song. Um, and just listening to music. Like, I listen to cha-cha and salsa pretty much all the time. Like, it's a rarity when I go back and like, oh, let me listen to some R&B and some pop and some rap. It's just what's in my playlist all the time. So I know typically, unless it's a very different kind of song, how most of the songs are going to kind of break down to a point, what instrument is going to come up blaring next for a solo, what's going to happen. Is this a cha-cha song? Yes, it's a cha-cha song because it had a piano break coming in the beginning. Like, it's just getting used to that stuff helps you understand what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I would agree too. Listening to the music helped me a lot. And I love personally the slow cha-chas where you're not just doing, like you said, your basic mambo step with the cha-cha step in between. You're actually listening to the music and just playing with it, honestly. And you're not doing every single step to the typical one, two, cha-cha-cha, whatever. And you're just playing with the music and listening to it and going slowly. So it may not even honestly look like cha-cha anymore. Right. And actually, Candace, can you give me like a functional example of playing with the music? Like... All I all I imagine for Lee playing with the music, like I imagine body rolls. I imagine a lot of body movement there. But can you give me like a, a specific example of how you may play with the music? Well, if a, if the song comes on and there's like a long tone, I might like to do a big kick or an arabesque or slow my way down into a lunge. And like you said, maybe body roll up and kind of swivel my hips and kind of just slow it down the movement. So you can really yeah. actually feel the notes of the song with the dance itself. Right. Yeah, that, that's pretty much my advice to every woman I ever teach. Uh, just do a body roll. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a body roll. That's fine. Um, yeah, and it's it's cool that, you know, I, I saw this documentary on uh, on PBS, uh, which I talk about. I think every episode I it somehow comes up because it's just so great about the history. But they talk about how these Latin influences from Boogaloo you mentioned and a lot of these other, uh, you know, 50s, 60s, and, and before then, factored into pop music now, too. So a lot of times I'll just dance cha-cha to normal pop music that's on a cha-cha pace or has this cha-cha music. So what what other <laughs> what other music do you really like listening to or dancing to that's not traditional uh, Latin music? I wouldn't say we have wholehearted genres, but there's just certain songs where he come on and we're like, huh, 
this works. Like, we can get up and move to it because it's just, it has that same. So most music nowadays has eight count beat to it. So in general, based upon how fast or slow it is, you might be able to dance either bachata salsa or cha-cha to it. So sometimes I think the most especially that we'll do is that we'll hear like an R&B song come on mm-hmm. and dance bachata to it because it has such a nice feel to it for that movement. Um, I personally don't like dancing salsa or cha-cha to most mainstream songs because even though the counts might work, it doesn't give me the opportunity to actually play with what was going on because typically commercials nowadays is not very varied. So, personally, for me, I would rather do bachata to a t- typical pop song or an RB song than anything else, just because that's how I feel personally, how it breaks down and how it feels to dance to. Gotcha. 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 So, I want to... Oh, sorry. Candace, I was going to say, I would agree for the most part, but um, I still like dancing cha-cha or even salsa to the mainstream songs, like when we're out and about, like at a mall or sitting i went to go get glasses not too long ago we were waiting for the doctor and we were just doing cha-cha to the music that was on um coming on the stereo so it kind of depends on the setting honestly gotcha i want to shift gears a little bit and talk more um candace now my my girlfriend's going through an issue right now hopefully she won't be listening to this podcast knowing that i'm calling her out but she's trying to learn spins so uh, among the the women that you teach uh or fuquan i'm not sure if you also teach the women uh how do you teach them spins and how do you effectively train them to spin effectively more than one or two times consecutively? Honestly, the best advice that I ever got was somebody who told me was to squeeze my legs together because I was, after two, I was wobbling all over the place. And as soon as they told me to squeeze my legs together, I was able to find my center and my balance a little bit easier. And I was able to bust out a few more spins that and staying on the balls of your feet and staying more so on your big toe and your first three toes more or less instead of your pinky toes and the side of your foot because then you'll lose your balance. You'll lose your balance on that too. So staying on the ball. Go ahead. Well, well, when you when you say squeeze your legs together, are you saying like uh, I assume like your quads and hamstrings area like that that part yes. of right? And are is it like no? no daylight there it's just completely squeezed together right no daylight whatsoever all the way from your pelvis all the way down to your ankles and your toes if you can keep that together completely you'll have a lot easier time with spinning um there's two equations to it i think um because solo spins are what need to be trained as well but as far as doing spins with a partner there's other things to think about as well but i'll say this first of all as a disclaimer, um, spinning can be done any way you want to, as long as you practice it, right? Um, so that means that you can be, everyone has different spin preps they teach and different spin techniques. And gyrokinetically, they can all work typically depending on how much work you put into it. So for instance, in the old LA days, and still nowadays people who teach you know, the classical LA style salsa, they have really wide preps, which means that their feet are really far apart from each other and their legs aren't touching as much. But they can still do sometimes, you know, seven, eight, nine spins by themselves because they've worked hard at creating that technique's power and they can propel themselves around. Versus what we've been taught is more of a Yamale prep or the New York prep, which is the close together legs to create power from your own core. So everyone has different emphasis on what they want to teach and depending on how much work behind it, you can still find what you need out of it if you want to put in the work. I say typically that no matter what you do is that you need to just work at it. So, you know, the ladies need to spin. 
guys who never had to spin them, ladies who would be put through spins, and then eventually they'll find, if they're not training with someone, they'll find what works for them. Finding your balance, finding your core strength, being able to utilize proper spotting, things of that nature. Yeah, what about the spotting though? Are you training spotting individually of the spinning? Obviously, you try to spot when you spin, but if they don't know the first thing about spinning, are you putting them through specifically spotting exercises as well? Like just turning without any technique on the feet, just turning and practicing picking up a spot? Or is it linked to the practicing of the spinning? Like how do you get good at spotting, I guess? I, I think it's the same thing as practice because it's going to suck no matter what. Like um, getting busy is a problem I still have because I don't personally – I teach spins, but I don't personally work to get spins. Like I have three spins. I'm fine. I don't need to spin 13, 14 times. That's the lady's job in my eye. So my spotting after three spins is a wrap, but that's because I don't put any emphasis into it. But when I teach it, I teach it from a right-hand turn. When you learn the basic right-hand turn, you learn how to spot. You're keeping your – Head there as long as you can, and then you come back around. That way, by the time you get to doing multiple spins, you already have the idea in your head. That's if you do consistent training, though. If you know the consistent training, if this is your first time learning how to do multiple spins, then we'll integrate it at the same time because it's something you need to know how to do because otherwise you're going to end up with your insides on the outside after your spins. Yeah, I mean, and spinning by yourself helps a lot, too, like especially with spotting where you can just practice a half turn and a full turn and just staring at one spot as long as you can and then trying to find it again and while doing the technique of the spin just practicing one until you get it and once you get one you can move on to one and a half and then two and like you said the more practice the easier it's going to come yeah let's talk about practice i mean in all honesty candace how long did it take you to get the spin down where you could be spun by fuquan like effortlessly you know four or five spins because i feel like there's this misnomer that you either get it or you don't and a lot of ladies get frustrated by that and they just give up early. How, how long did it take you to get to the point where you're like, yeah, I got this. You start getting a little cocky with it. <laughs> um, I would probably say a couple months. But like I said, I was training in a company and we do over 40 spins every single practice and spin drills. We start off with like two, then we work our way up to 16 to 30 to 40 by the time we're done. So I got a lot of practice in. And I would just say, honestly, the more practice, the quicker it's going to come as well. But um, I was also a gymnast, and we do a little bit of, not a lot, but a little bit of spinning and gymnastics, too, which also helped with my balance. So, honestly, the more you practice, the quicker it's going to come for you. And don't give up. I tell people in general, spins or otherwise, that salsa is a very long-term art. And depending on what you put your time into, that's what's going to show the most. So, typically, the way salsa is done nowadays commercially is that people want to learn the same things. They want to learn patterns. How good can my patterns become? And how fancy a move can I do with a girl? And, um, and then footwork's kind of come on the side burner. Then everything else is under that. So typically, most people get very decent patterns. Most people in the world can be very intermediate people as far as the patterns. Again, everyone's, everything else is kind of under the sideline. Um, but Candace and I, literally, we've only been dancing now for this genre for three years, literally. And the difference is, though, is that while some people might do the one class a week and then they might go out once a week, Candace and I hit the ball running where we were doing dancing seven days a week. We had rehearsals on Sundays for four hours, and I went to salsa class myself on Mondays for three hours, and I had another two hours on Tuesday, and then this, that, and the other. And then every time we saw each other at night, we would not go to bed without dancing for at least an hour and a half, doing different drills and doing things for ourselves. So... It shows, though, because our progression was exponential because we constantly practice. 
And now we're at the point to where, where everyone should be, right, is that the big hurdles are done to where now it's all small minutia that you're constantly working on. No matter how hard you work, it's the small stuff now. How exact are my spins? Rather than being able to do 40 spins, how well are my 40 spins to where they're all in the same exact place at the exact same time without the guy giving you a super amount of power? How do I stop on a dime? That kind of stuff. Yep. So no yep. matter who you yep. are and how much you work, there's always work to be done. So. Yeah, I, I think that people see, well, guys see patterns as the, as the, um, what's the word? It, it's what they want, right? It's what they want a lot. It's like a collection. It's like we're collecting damn Pokemons or something. It's like we're collecting turn patterns, right? We want all these patterns. And I see that as the, the breadth, right? They want a wide breadth of different patterns. And mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm finally forcing myself to realize that that is not the case. And it's better to go uh, depth in with certain patterns. So for instance, I was down in Tampa, I'm doing a uh, performance team for, uh, for Sonia with uh, Diamond Dancers. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys over there, we were just goofing around doing some turn, uh, some, uh, some shines. And he showed me this one shine and I got it. And then I was like, okay, what else you got? He's like, no, 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 you didn't see my other variations of this shine. So then he does the shine where it's like one of these step overs where he does a body roll into it as well. And I could not for the life of me get that. Like as much as I try, I couldn't. So I realized, okay, forget the rest of the shines. Let me just try to get a body roll with this. Let me try to get this body movement that he has with this one shine instead of learning all these other shines, you know, start with that. And then that translates over to all other kinds of things. And it makes you look so much smoother. I'm always reminded of, uh, of uh, Kobo, you know, Milton Kobo, because he just has very few patterns. He probably knows a ton, but he only does a few when I see him social dancing. And he does them so well and so smoothly that it leaves this impression like, wow, I want to dance like that. So it doesn't matter how many turn patterns you do. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. And I will use an even further example. Seiku is somebody I love and adore. And when you see him social dance, it's basic right-hand turns, crossbody leads, maybe a fancy flick or two here or there. But to him, it's not about doing turn patterns. It's about how does the dance feel? Am I having fun? Is the lady having fun? Does she feel good in my arms? Do I make her feel good in my arms? And I think ultimately that's what, especially as mambo dancers, what we have to aim for is make sure that the dance is just superbly enjoyable. Now, if that means that I'm doing crazy turn patterns because the lady likes that, okay, sure. Everyone has different tastes. But in general, no matter what, like say for instance, when I teach a pattern, I teach it for the technique behind it and giving people ideas to take home and work on themselves. So I, I never personally remember a complete pattern. I remember I liked that one move, I'm taking that move, and that way I can actually branch off of it and create my own moves from it. How do I expound from it and take deeper things from it? That's what it should be, in my own humble opinion. And yeah, speaking from a female, it's really not, to me personally, about the different patterns that the guys are doing. If they're doing it well and it feels great, I'm enjoying my dance. If they're doing a ton of different patterns and they're just not on time and they're rough and it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel good. I'm not enjoying my dance. Doesn't matter how advanced or crazy the patterns are. So I'd rather the guy honestly almost tone it down and execute the patterns to where I'm just floating on air and I feel great about the patterns than them just trying all new stuff and they're just not doing it well. Yeah, well, and also if you haven't normalized some of those advanced patterns, then you have to think about that with your conscious, you know, processing. So then you can't think about what's actually going on in the music and interpret that through your, your movements. Maybe you miss a hit because you're so concentrated on doing some crazy turn pattern. And I mean, 
how, Candace, honestly, how often do you notice that a guy did a certain move twice? Like, do you notice if he repeats certain moves, or does it all feel like spins left and spins right to you more so than, than different moves? Like, how, how much do you realize, like, wow, yeah, that was a different turn pattern? Um, honestly, it varies. Sometimes guys, they'll do the exact same turn pattern. So he'll do a right turn with his right hand to my right, and then two seconds later, he'll do the same right turn with his hand to my right hand. And that's very noticeable. But you can definitely have me doing my same steps with the right turn with my hands in different positions. And those don't really get too noticeable unless they're back to back. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I want to, again, shift gears a little bit. Tell me about the Atlanta salsa scene and bachata scene. What's, what's going on there? What, what do you think defines that scene? Growth. Honestly, um, Atlanta's in a very weird position in fact that it's a huge, huge city, um, population-wise. And our scene doesn't match it. Um, so say, for instance, New York, you know, what, eight, nine million people? And so they have a few thousand people in their salsa scene easily because they cultivate it, right? They have a lot of Latinos, a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of Dominicans, and then people who kind of come into the community and the culture. Um, same thing with Chicago, LA, any kind of major city typically has a large salsa scene because of just population wise, they have more people to offer to it. Atlanta's kind of not at the same point because of the fact that our Latinos here are typically more like we have Mexico, Ecuador, Peru, Chile. So a lot of random countries that don't necessarily have the same necessary tie and passion to the dance as would like say Puerto Ricans, Cubans and Dominicans would because they typically are the ones who are fostering the culture in the states. Also, um, Atlanta's just this kind of weird about arts in general. So, you know, we have very few dance studios in general, let alone Latin dance studios. So right now there's a huge resurgence of growth of dancers coming out to the scene. So there's new companies like ourselves the company that we train with as well on the, um, on the side, Pedro Barrio, they train lots of dancers to come out to the scene. Um, we have large events, and we have, obviously, we have the Atlanta Photography Festival, we have Flavor Invasion, we have Hot Atlanta, Salsa Congress. So we have lots of events. It's just right now we're in such a huge period of growth that it's hard to maintain a solid, large emphasis on maintaining, building dancers. So say, for instance, the, what we consider the best social in the city, like I said, what we consider it would be Great Los Del Barrio, which is the first Fridays of um, the month. And it, you know, cultivates a very family-friendly environment, but at the same time, the people who run it are dance-oriented, so it's all mambo music, you know, um, hardcore Afro-Latin jazz, very few hokey, like there's no come in and freeze dances, let's meet and greet people. It's about come, obviously come in and say hello, We'll you know, introduce ourselves as friendly, but it's not about the, the hokiness of the dance. It's about coming in and wanting to get your sweat on and wanting to actually cultivate getting better, no matter what level you are, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Um, and, but then we have, you know, the bars. You know, we have our La Roombas, we have our Havana Clubs, all the places where you can go and just have a typical, I don't really want to sauce dance, I kind of want to hang out and hear the music places. So it's a very, I love it, but it's a weird, it's a weird city. What, what do you think, Candace? Um, I agree. We have lots of events, and I definitely think there's room for growth in there. Um, I think the main thing is for the beginner dancers to not get discouraged 
when things don't come as quickly and when they see advanced dancers dancing, they're like, I want to be like that. Why don't I look like that? Just stay with it and practice. I think the biggest thing is people take classes and their class may be on Tuesday once a week and then they go out maybe once every month, but that's it. The classes help a lot, but if you don't go out and practice what you're learning in the class, it's just not going to come quickly. And I think you just got to go out and dance and not just get discouraged on it coming so quickly or not. And, and let's actually talk about that as, as a final thing I want to discuss here is about going out and dancing, because that is oftentimes very challenging for this beginner dancer who comes to classes and it's very structured and everyone rotates, everyone has to dance with everybody. But then you say, no, now you have to go out and social dance. Um, what are what are some of the dancing etiquette uh, rules that people should keep in mind as a, as a man or a woman? Uh, I'm sure, you know, everyone always has tons of thoughts and they're always very entertaining. So I'm just really curious to hear your thoughts on things that you see, pet peeves or just etiquette items when you go out and social dance. You want to take no, you can start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say a big pet peeve of mine, etiquette-wise, is just knowing your environment and that kind of entails different things. For instance, we obviously dance Puerto Rican-based salsa, so line-based salsa. And efficiently, if everyone danced in accordance with each other, there should be plenty of space no matter where you go because everyone should be dancing with everyone in mind. So I hate T-boning, which means that if I'm dancing here and you come and sit up your line right behind my lady in a completely different fashion, that's rude to me. When especially you could just come and stand next to me and step over about a foot and have more than enough space to dance your entire dance. Um knowing that if you're a guy and you're sweating your butt off already and your t-shirt is soaked, to not put the lady's hands all over you and be sweating all over her. Don't put her in a closed position when you know that you're sweating. Definitely Same thing for that. the ladies. <laughs> if you're wearing a low-back dress, ladies, and you're sweaty, do not... I, don't, I just don't agree with low-back dresses in the first place because the guy's going to put his hand on your back at some point to do a crossbody lead. And then I pull my hand away soaked and sweat. And it's not mine. Um... Just so many things. Um, knowing your audience, if the girl you're dancing with doesn't like dancing sensual bachata, you've tried it for an eight count and she doesn't feel it, don't try and push her into it for the rest of the song. Know that she doesn't like that. Um, so many things. You got one? Two, three. Yeah. You know, the, this one, are you guys friends with uh, Tanya out of DC? Yeah, Tanya Smith. Yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw this Facebook post from her two days ago where it was saying kind of like that T-bone issue that you talked about where she got led onto the dance floor by this guy, uh, someone who she, I guess, didn't really dance with much. And he was trying to take her into the most packed part of the dance floor and was not respecting anyone else's slots. And she's like, she actually grabbed his hands like, no, we're going to go over here. And she drags him over to the other side where there's lots more space. So I think that's something that the ladies feel intimidated. Like, no, I can't do that. But at the end of the day, it's about the lady's safety, you know, making sure that when you're doing these doubles and triple spins, you're not going to feel like you're backing into the person behind you. So, I mean, she just hijacked that and, and took her, took him over to the other side of the dance floor. I think that's totally fine. I mean, w would you agree with that, Candace? Yes, I would completely, uh, completely agree. Um, I hate it when there's plenty of space on the other side. And there's not that many people and the guys want to take you to the main part where there's a ton of people. It's like, I don't really care about you know, being with the big group, I care about the dance and how it feels. And if I can style and just be free to do whatever I want, 
And I can't do that if I'm packed in a big group of people, especially when I'm looking over and I see an empty space over there that we could have gone to. Um, I would say another pet peeve of mine, too, would be multiple dances back to back. I don't mind dancing with the guy more than once during the night. That's fine. But I would prefer not to dance three songs back to back of the same genre with you. You know, it's like one dance. Thank you. Come back. We will dance bachata or dance a cha-cha. And I would prefer not to do like three or four salsas or dance the whole salsa set just with you. I like to explore everybody that is in the social. When the song is, the dance is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually my rule is um, I hate guys who hijack those dances. Um, but if it's less than a half of a song and the song went well, then I may ask the girl to dance okay. a second song. And I say, oh, okay, yeah. I thought you said no. Okay, yeah, no problem. Good. Okay, I haven't been messing that up. Um, no, and then, but if you're switching genres, it's it's fine. Like if you go from salsa to a bachata, then you you could dance two in a row again. If it's a good song, if you feel something there, then that's fine. But uh, I, I see too many guys fall in love on the dance floor and then not let her go for like three songs. <laughs> I think it's just it's two different environments that kind of clash. It's the club environment versus the social environment. In clubs, you know, they mix the songs, so it's very hard for certain guys to not listen specifically to the songs to tell when the song has ended. It's like, oh, this must be the same song, and this has been 10 minutes now, but this is the third song they played, but they don't realize it because they're not listening to it. And on social, though, when the song ends, it should be a very clear, oh, hug, kiss on the cheek, thank you so much for that, it was beautiful, walk away. Unless, like I said, you've come in and you only had a minute of a dance, or it was a really short song, and the song was only a minute and a half, two minutes. Hey, that was a really short song, let's have to dance the other one. And even then, it's an ask, not just, you're not going anywhere, you're staying right here. So I think it's a difference, right? Like when you feel this connection, say, hey, would you mind dancing another one that was really short? Or here's another, uh, like another song that we haven't tried yet. It's a bachata or like I said, a cha-cha song. Like that. that makes sense. But, yeah. yeah. yeah we could, we go on. I think we're actually going to be doing a roundtable about this very discussion because I feel like everyone just has so many rules, so many pet peeves. And a lot of them make a lot of sense. Maybe some are kind of ridiculous. I don't know. It, it probably varies a little bit from state to state, country to country as well. I'd be curious to see what the differences are if you go to europe or asia with with things like this i bet it's a little bit different that'd be really curious too i should check that out but so with that being said guys um just wrapping things up where can people find out more about you guys what are upcoming events that you're doing that you're going to be performing at what's going on in atlanta in uh, in your studio with classes just tell me more about how people can get in touch well um right now we're working on our website so the best thing to kind of find out information about us online will be through facebook at our uh, fan page fuego yellow dance company um uh, we also have our email which is fuego yellow dance company at gmail.com um past that we are so far this year is kind of up in the air we do like a lot of random things we're doing the tampa salsa bachata festival labor day weekend um, then in September, we're actually going down to um, visit DJ Jorge Chorun in Miami for his birthday bash. So we'll be performing there. Um, we're doing Aventura, like everyone's doing Aventura this year. And then I think really our big windfall is next year. Next year, I think we're pretty much booked throughout the year through a lot of different events. Um, so just hopefully everyone just keeps in touch and likes our Facebook page because we typically update that all the time and let people know where we're going. Um, we travel all over, so awesome. it's all over. Yeah, I saw on your Facebook page you got the the spinning uh, video. I like that. From I think it was from Proyecto Barrio. The uh, mm-hmm. just the spin drills. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So guys, check out the Facebook page. There's some cool content on there. I'm gonna be sharing that through the this week in salsa page too. So, 
Thank Guys, you. thank you so much. I really appreciate the time here. Thank you for breaking down some of these uh, questions, especially about the leaf spinning. I found all of that really interesting here, talking about the pet peeves. Everything was great, guys. So thanks a lot. Hope to see you here at uh, Oklahoma Congress, too. Thanks for having us. Thank you. ¿Y qué pasó?